This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Here comes the money. Thank you. Here comes the money. Talking about venture capital, which is a form of private equity and a type of financing that investors provide to startup companies and small businesses that are believed to have long-term growth potential. Where does it come from? How does it materialize in the South African context? How does one actually come to the decision of investing in your in your company? It reminds me of what was that series called Shock Tank with, with, with Donald Trump. It was called Shock Tank, wasn't it? And where you had to basically pitch your idea to a bunch of VCs that were sitting and, you know, having to determine whether or not they go ahead with investing in your plan or they don't go ahead based on the type of pitch that you give to them. But if you've got a good idea or you've got got a great company with potential how do you start attracting the right kind of vc and what do you need to learn about vcs when it comes to even the way in which um they would like stakes and how does equity work in that and can vcs not want equity maybe they will just give you a loan and if you are that entrepreneur or you are that startup that is believing that they've got a really great idea we you can use this also as an opportunity to perhaps pitch your idea to those that are going to be joining us this afternoon, as I said, it's all about making sure that the startup business is one that becomes very lucrative and sustainable. But it starts with how does it work, doesn't it? Let's get into this conversation now. Somebody who's never, who's not a stranger to Power Lunch, acting CEO and chief strategist for the South African Savings Institute, Gerald Mwanambira. Gerald, always a pleasure. I love it when we talk about money. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Faith, and happy Monday to all the Power FM listeners. We've also got uh, Mitch Adams, who's the CEO and finder of Venture Builders, IONS, which is a creative technology, which is an incubator for startups. Mitch, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, and welcome to Power Lunch. Thank you, Faith, and happy Monday to everybody. Perhaps, Gerald, we should start with understanding this thing, right, venture capital, because oftentimes when it comes to even, you know, how banks fund... Ooh, let's get you a clearer signal, Gerald. Um, but... Maybe Mitch, you can start off with because that's something went horribly wrong there. But in terms of um, even soliciting somebody to invest in someone's idea, the normal assumption is that you'd go to a bank. And we all know that when it comes to South Africa as well as maybe even other countries, the banks are not necessarily so friendly when it comes to investing in something that they don't know. That's where I would imagine that the likes of a VC comes in. But what is it really? Let's, let's unpack what is VC, venture capital. Uh, so venture capital it comes in different forms, in different models. Uh, I think the South African context is very different to what you see in the States. So I'll give you the South African context uh, uh, and how it exists. So it's usually taking capital from institutions or high, high net worth individuals, pooling it together, and then managing the disbursement of their funds into businesses that they see as ones that will be lucrative in the future. Uh, and that these funds, or VCs, venture capitalists, uh, the firms are usually quite small. Yeah. Uh, they run by high net worth capitals themselves. They refer to themselves as uh, GPs, which are general partners. And they most of the time put some of their own funds into it so that they have some skin in the game. 
and uh, and then they go and find your institution, so your pension funds, your banks. You know, when you put in money in a bank and gaining interest of it, the bank is giving the money to the likes of a VC or the likes of a PE, which is private equity. And, uh, yeah, so these guys would then get the money from them. The people that they get the money from, they're known as limited partners. Uh, so they will find a bunch of limited partners and bring them into a fund and pull the money there. The thing is, that's also a sales pitch. It's basically a VC. It's basically a startup, <laughs> if you think of it as well. They have to go pitch to these guys to get their money. And they usually have to kind of focus on a sector. So they will be, I'm only looking at female entrepreneurs that are in the energy space. And um, and this is the criteria. They have to be running for three years. And they must have revenue for, of about $2 million in a year. And then we'll look at them. Uh, and if the limited partners are happy, they'll sign off on that mandate, and that will be the mandate given to the VCs. The VCs then make money, or just cover their costs through management fee, mm-hmm. an annual management fee, which is usually about 2%. So it, depending on the size of your fund, that 2% could either really do something for your cost or do nothing. Um, if you think of it, 2 million rand is basically 2% of uh, 200 million fund. Uh, four million, sorry, and and that would be an annual fee that you charge the the limited partners, and you carry on your cost through that. Then uh, it's up to the VCs to go find these companies. Uh, they would say, "This is our criteria. Apply here." Those guys would apply, and then they have to run through a whole lot of due diligence, choosing the right companies because the funds are not unlimited. It, it comes from somewhere, and uh, it's it's going to end at a certain point. Yeah. And the whole goal is to invest in these guys, stay in them for a while, uh, and and then exit at a certain point. What they do then is promise the limited partners a certain exit. They call this the the hurdle. So if you gave me a hundred rand and I promise you a ten percent return, then I need to give you hundred and ten rand. Mm. But then we have something called a carry. So if I actually return two hundred rand to you. That means I've given back your 110 and there's still 90 rand extra, a bonus. And I would then, let's say, go for a 20% carry. And uh, and so I, I, as a VC, would then be entitled to 20% of that 90 rand. And that's how VCs actually make their money. They don't make their money on the management fee, but rather on the carry. You know... I'm just trying to think here, Mitch, what is the difference then between a VC and as just a normal asset management company? Um, I think it's the risk profile. Okay. Um, and this is, the, this is where the South African context gets Yeah, because it's very interesting how we do it here versus, yeah. you know, how would it be done in America? Yeah. Uh, a, a VC in America, they make decisions fairly quickly and they go for your high-risk investment. So it's a company that's just started. If you get into Facebook, let's say, right in the early years and you stayed with them for about eight years, you would have made millions, if not billions at the end of it. But the risk profile of getting in that early, uh, there's a very high chance that you lose the money of the people that uh, you're representing. So essentially, uh, in in the States, these VCs, they're basically gambling. So they would take a hundred companies and they would place money on all of these companies, like a, a roulette table, and they like choose 
they, yeah, let's say they, they, they're basically choosing every single number on that roulette table and they're saying if, if any of these win, we win. Mm. And they are hoping that that win is a big win. So, for instance, if you, if you bet on Facebook and you bet on a whole bunch of other companies that failed, just the fact that Facebook made it would have covered all your losses and made you money. That's the importance of getting in very early. And that's how they do it in America. In South Africa, the VCs are very worried about losing people's money, uh, the limited partners that have given them their money. So they act more like the private equity funds, the PE funds. The PE funds will only invest in established businesses, businesses that have been around for a while, have proven that their business is sustainable and it works and that there's revenue. VCs try and get in a bit earlier than PEs, but they won't go into these early stage investments, uh, which is a bit of a problem uh, yeah. for the environment, I think, for the for the startup environment. Initially, they did do that. They, I think they paid their school fees, and, and so they've now created this criteria where you need to be running for three years, you need a certain amount of revenue, and then we'll look at you. Mm. What that's done over the last few years, though, is created this gap of pipeline companies for them. So the VCs have basically come to their own demise in it, uh, where now there's maybe only five guys that have gotten that far. Because if you look at the stats, that says 50% of companies, startups, fail within the first two years. Mm-hmm. And if these guys are waiting for year three, that means all the guys that would have and should have failed in their minds now fail within year two. And then year three, they see uh, the true winners coming through. Therefore, their risk is, is mitigated. But how many of those companies would have actually made it to year three and would have been amazing, brilliant companies? If you look at why these companies are failing, it's due to a lacking capital and lacking mentorship, which is why you have incubators that have sprung up. Uh, and incubators are there to give mentorship and build these companies and help them. And mentorship is great, but it's nothing without uh, capital at all, which is the space we're trying to fill here. We call ourselves a venture builder. And it's a mixture between venture capitalism and incubation. We come, we give you mentorship, we get involved in the company's everyday operations to ensure that they're doing the right things and they can get past that dreaded two-year mark. But we also give them the much-needed capital. It's a seed capital. And when I say seed, it's very small compared to what the VC will give you, but it's enough to get you over that mark. Mitch, you know, you, you, you mentioned so many um, components to this discussion that will also just uh, tease after the news. But limited partners, right? How is a limited partner spotted, you know? Um, and how open are these limited partners now in the South African context to say, you know what, here's 10M, right? Find me a couple of VC, or a couple of uh, uh, startups that have just passed their three-year threshold and 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 um, that I can just see a return on my investment. How 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 lucrative is this environment for the limited partner? Do we have good limited partners in South Africa that are playing in the space? We do, we do, and I would say this is where the BE structures come into play. Um, the government also introduced something called a 12J fund, Section 12J, mm. um, which is also referred to as BCC which essentially gave high net worth individuals a tax break on their capital gains tax. So normally you get your PAYE from your salary. Then if you own a property and you earn money from that rent, you have to pay further tax on that capital gains, which is about 20%. 
Now, what the government introduced was to say, you know, instead of paying us this tax, rather take that money, put it into a 12J fund, and then the 12J fund will be mandated to invest in at least, let's say, five companies in that year. And when you get some sort of proceed from that, you can keep all the proceeds, but you have to still pay the original tax. Or you can reinvest it into another 12J fund. I think it was a great initiative. And those 12J funds uh, funded quite a bit of startups initially, but the access wasn't right. Oh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll, and if you are a business that's been running for over three years and you want to see how is it that we can start making your business attractive enough for this kind of investment, let's talk on 0861-987-000. Yeah, we're talking about venture capital. Power Lunch with Faith Mangobe, weekdays 12 to 3 p.m. on Power 98.7. Now we are talking, it's 25 minutes to go before the top of the other, we, uh, before the top of the hour, not other. We are unpacking how venture capital actually works in this country and whether or not it can actually be a form of strategy for some of these startups that have made it past the three-year mark and being able to attract other form of investment. We're still in conversation with uh, Mitch Adams, CEO and founder of Venture Builder Aeons, which is uh, creative technology, which is an incubator for startups, as well as our financial strategist or chief strategist, Gerald Manabira, joining us as well. And if you are in that phase where you've just made it past the two-year mark and you see that your business is indeed something that could use an investment in, let's find out how we can get you the advice and perhaps even even the incubation to help along the, the business. Gerald, we just had started off while we're just trying to establish a clearer signal for you just around how venture capital works in this country. And it sounds a lot um, as well around asset management. It's just that the only thing that is different is the risk. Yes, um, definitely in South Africa, you know, the, the venture capital market is very risk averse. And um, as my colleague said, by its very risk averseness, um, it's actually killing itself because, as he said, with most classic venture capitalists, they'll invest in 100 companies and they're just looking for three to blow the lights out. But in South Africa, they'll invest in zero. <laughs> so that, that's a big problem. Um, in South Africa, if you're looking for business startup capital, you might be better off actually looking for angel investors and crowdfunding, which are lower end of the market. And also, you know, you can't raise a lot of money but that's the reality of starting a business in South Africa. By the time my business has been running for three years, guess what, Faith? The bank will get, gladly give me the money. So I don't need any venture capitalists. I, I'm up and running. Most small businesses fail within the first year. If you make it to the second and the third, you basically have an established entity. So in other words, the South African venture capitalists don't want to take risk. Why? Why? I don't understand. Then, the whole, then they shouldn't call themselves venture capitalists. They should just call it an investment policy like so many. Yes. Well, they, they should just call themselves investment committees because I've been in that situation where small businesses go through 10 rounds of, of vetting. And, you know, venture capitalists go with a gut feeling. If you look in America, there's a rapper, what's his name, Nas. And he basically did the same thing. He chose a bunch of companies, some failed, but the ones which made him have made him a billionaire. And he's he's not interested in any of those companies. He was just taking a chance. We need real venture capitalists in South Africa, which is business people who are willing to take a chance on your startup. 
and there's very few of those, and that's that's the unfortunate reality. Um, if there's venture capitalists listening on Tower FM, you're not venture capitalists. You're just asset managers who are protecting your investors' money, but you have no inkling or desire to take a chance. And until we get people who are willing to really say, you know what, I like the sound of this business. I feel the energy. I feel the vibe. I'm going to put my money in this. That's venture capital. Otherwise, they, otherwise you're better off going to, to angel investors or even asking your stock for money. Otherwise, you will spend your business plan and spend months and months and months um, being made to be hopeful because every time they call you for another meeting, you think you're almost there. Yeah. But it's just another meeting to call another meeting. Sure. Mitch, and that's why I love the two perspectives because it gives you almost a reality in terms of what are we doing, dealing with here when it comes to venture capitalists. But then I would then ask Mitch, where do I find an angel investor? You know, where are these angels? Are they in Stellenbosch? And if they're in Stellenbosch, where am I going to locate them in Stellenbosch? Um, I don't think angels exist in South Africa. Uh, angel is somebody that, you know, you meet them for lunch, you tell them your business plan and then the money's in your bank account. Uh, after that, there, there are platforms where you can go there. There's an angel investment platform. There's uh, GoGetter. There's, uh, uh, I forget the other one. There's, there's a few of these platforms, but you give very little of these guys. And like Gerald's mentioned, it's going to be small amounts of money. Um, like, it's, you're not going to get millions. But, uh, yeah, they look, this is how it is. Uh, you're not going to find it in, in, in Stellenbosch. Uh, there can be a few true VCs out there, but we, we need to be realistic here. It's people's money, right? Um, so, for instance, I, I invest my own money uh, mm. through through Aeons. And you also have to establish at what stage are you and at what type of VC you're going for this. There's your angel, there's your pre-seed, there's your seed, and then you get series A, series B. You go through all those rounds. Uh, we do a seed investment. So these guys have left their jobs, they're full-time in their business, uh, they are struggling, they need to get to the next level, and there's some sort of revenue being generated, but uh, and they have the opportunity or the potential to get to 500,000 in revenue per month. That's what I look for. Uh, these VC guys, they're looking for guys that can make a lot of money, but yeah, are they at the right place? Understand where the money has come from. For me personally, it's come through years of my own, you know, sweat, blood, tears, fighting with family members, fighting with my wife because I'm working too much, time taken away from my kids, my own stress. And that's what built the business up to what it was. The, the previous business that I ran was Ozo Payments. And I exited out of that last year to start this thing and taking my own money and putting it into that. Uh, so, and I understand 100% where Jero's coming from, but where you're getting uh, startups coming to you kind of with an entitled manner, like, this is my business. Everybody believes in their business that it's the best thing that ever was invented or created. Please give me this money now. You're not just going to willy-nilly give your money to the guy. And he's not the only person that's approached you. Uh, for instance, right now, I have a pipeline of about 200 companies that want uh, us to invest in them. Uh, so I have to go through all these guys. They are limited funds. I need to choose which ones would be the best ones to put the money in. Though I'm not as meticulous as the VCs uh, that we are referring to, uh, I do need to do a level of due diligence. Also, the companies I'm investing in are not companies. There's nothing to show that these companies are companies. It's actually a worthless business at this point. I'm trying to build a business out of them. I'm looking at founders. I'm looking at the person, who they are, 
Do they have that tenacity? Do they have the grit? Can they sell it? Do they have the passion behind it? What's the qualification for doing what they're doing? Um, you can't be a shoe salesman that's all of a sudden doing uh, you know, electrical vehicles. What's your qualification to do that? Maybe there is a story in it where you know, the, the person always had a passion for electrical energy and for Tesla, and they know a whole bunch of uh, Nikola Tesla and what he's done and all of that. Then I can buy into that story. Mm-hmm. But we have to break that thing down. And uh, I think there's faults on both sides. There's faults on the on the the startups looking for money. They're not looking for it in the right places. And they're also very expectant that the money should just come because they have a great idea. And from a VC perspective, they're too protective about their money. They need to take the risk if they want that reward. You know, it's such a difficult thing. And, 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 and I'll take your point in the fact that this is somebody's money, right? And the person wants to make sure that when they're investing money into an unknown, that they're going to get a return on investment. On the other side of it, then, I have to question whether or not we actually do have venture capitalists in South Africa. And and what then would be the difference between me going to a bank and having the bank make me jump through fire um, as opposed to going through um, a, a, a VC? Gerald, maybe you can, you know, I, I'm trying to understand. Yes, it's somebody's money, okay. but what's the difference between going to a bank and asking the bank to loan you 200000 or 300000 as startup capital versus going to, okay. to a VC? Look, the, the difference should be the same. Um, I think, you know, just to, to tone down a bit, it also depends on the quality of information and um, the business idea that's in place. Because often I come across new business startups where the owner himself is not willing to put a cent towards this $10 billion business, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, you, you need to have a certain owner participation when someone is pitching a business to you. So basically, they have to show that they've sold their bed, they've sold their house, they've done everything they can to take the business to that point, and it's doing well, you know? Um, also, the, the, the financial statements must be in order. It must show that it's well run and that the accounting and, and, the, and, and the record keeping is up to scratch. So it's not always just about faith coming through with a brilliant idea and expecting the world to buy into it. It's how much have you bought into your own idea? Mm-hmm. So are you asking the question, is there a difference with how I should pitch to a venture capitalist versus a bank? There shouldn't be because the quality of information needs to be right up there so that it's good enough for a bank to give you money and then it's good enough for a venture capitalist to give you money um, because a lot of the time you know some of the business owners and you ask them what are you going to do with your first million to first two million and they're already talking cars and houses you know, and, so that's, this is a and unfortunately, this is what we're experiencing for sm- from from a some 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 SMMEs where it is not about being able to you know think long term for the business. They just want to get rich and get rich now. Yes, it's about let me get my car now. Show you that I've made it, but. You know, it's another important thing to note. When you start a business, you should have an exit. You heard uh, Mark, I think Mark, he said that he exits. There's a point. Every, every business plan, every idea must have a goal. When it's achieved, you can exit or, recont- or reset a new goal. Problem with a lot of things, we don't set goals. We just expect things to exist in perpetuity. If, you, if you're looking at it from a crowdfunding perspective, because you've just brought an interesting um, insight as well, Gerald, around how perhaps people should be looking at angel investment. And I asked if angel investors are in Stellenbosch and looks like angel investors are not angelic in South Africa. <laughs> what about crowdfunders then, Mitch? Um, and, and, I, and I wonder how 
whether or not crowdfunding actually works in South Africa. I came across a yeah. case in America, for example, and when it was like, what, it was like 2014, 2013 or so. And this one guy had raised about, I think, $2 million and, mm-hmm. and, and it was a dumb thing. He was making potato salad. You know, and and it it actually went as a case study in many of these institutions where they said this guy, he posted that he wants to make the perfect um, potato salad. He was crowdfunding for it. And I think Americans, because of their sort of, you know, liking to find a joke in everything, they just donated to this guy. Right. But in South Africa, I wonder if the same approach not to sell potatoes, but the same approach to to funding via crowdfunding actually works. Or is the environment favorable for a crowdfunding model, uh, especially when it comes to investment in the business? 100%. So, okay, just uh, to take a step back, the other question, quickly answer it. The difference in the funding is the bank is going to ask you for collateral and you're going to have to service that loan every month. Uh, if you don't have the cash flow, you're not going to be able to do it. With investment, you get in the money and those guys are taking the chance. If you lose the money, you lose the money. Uh, that's that's essentially the difference there. So investment is a lot more favorable. Mm-hmm. With regards to crowdfunding, interestingly enough, I'm busy working on a platform for that. So I'll tell you what exists in the market today. Um, crowdfunding, is, it will be created by somebody that creates the platform, mm-hmm. and they kind of third-party involved, and they're saying companies come register, uh, potential investors come register, put your details there. And they kind of just like, this is my platform. I'll take an admin fee. I'm not managing your money. I'm not managing your investments. I'm giving you the freedom to do that, and you're going to manage everything. Great way to raise money. It's a great uh, platform that you can do that. But there is risk involved in it. If you look at risk in general, funny stat, South Africans are the third biggest holders of cryptocurrency in the world. Third? Yes. Third. <laughs> well, joint third. Uh, there are three other companies that's with us. I think Thailand's one of them. But the thing is, there is a appetite for risk uh, in this country. Uh, the average age at this point in South Africa is 28, which is your millennial, basically. So this mm-hmm. guy, well into their career, uh, probably educated and has uh, pretty much a bit of funds and, and they get maybe once of bonuses every year and they take their money and they buy Bitcoin and they hold on to it. And that's a very risky investment, Bitcoin, because it's very volatile. So the platform I'm creating, similar to crowdfunding, except it's companies we have invested in. I've invested in it myself. I'm involved in operations every day. We have a team in it. So we mitigated the risk there. And then we take the shares of our own. I'm going to give a technical year. We mint a stable coin on that, so it's still crypto, but it's a stable coin backed by the share, and you don't have to buy a whole share. A whole share could cost 100,000 rand. Because it's a crypto token, you can buy a fraction of that. So you could take 100 bucks and buy a portion of a company, and then know that we are looking after that. We want that portfolio to grow. We want it to get to a bigger place. And by doing so, we hope to then get a whole lot of South Africans coming in. We get all that funding uh, and we can take that and recycle it into a whole bunch of new companies as well. Uh, that's that's our play at this point uh, on how we're trying to bridge the gap. Uh, we're also then building these companies up that we're working with and preparing them for those VCs that are risk-averse. So we're saying we've worked with these guys for three years. Uh, what do you think about them now? Mm-hmm. Would you invest in them? 
and then we, we creating that pipeline. That pipeline doesn't exist. The VCs have basically killed that pipeline by creating this criteria. So now you have a massive gap between early stage companies and companies that are established, and there's maybe five good ones out there, and all the VCs are fighting for them. We are bridging the gap by creating that pipeline for all these VCs and saying maybe you should align with us and partner with us if you want uh, to maintain your stance on, on your risk-averse uh, investments. And we will handle all the early stage readiness and we will also partner with the public. Basically, the public is our limited partners and uh, we'll bring them in on this. It's just, I find it so fascinating. Let me go to Ranfontein. Um, if you do have a, also a question on 0861987000, if you are that business that is looking for some kind of investment, you've passed the three-year mark, as we're hearing here, that a lot of these VCs are looking at past the three-year mark, and you're saying, how do I just propel my business to the next level? Uh, Tabiso in Ranfontein, hi. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks hey. to you, sir. Go ahead. I'm good. Uh, so I run a... A startup, a software startup. So basically, uh, so I have an accounting software, project management software. So the companies that are using it, but I have other software, so they pay me a monthly subscription fee. Okay. So it's not a once-off, it's not a once-off thing. So right now, I'm just looking for leads. So do I need to look for VC or just continue looking for clients and they just pay me a subscription fee? That is a good question, Mitch. Well, that, that, that's where your incubators come into play. Um, incubators will help you get access to market, basically, uh, and they'll also help you with economics. Essentially, if you want a million rand in a, in a month, you charge a thousand people a thousand rand, because that's a million, a thousand thousand rand, right? And if you okay. want two million rand, uh, I, I said a million rand is a thousand thousand rand. So just find a thousand clients and charge them a thousand rand each. We okay. would would then find those guys. I mean, there's, you you you're giving accounting services to people. Uh, most companies need the accounting services. So what you need to identify is who these companies are, where they are. You can use stuff like LinkedIn for that. Mm-hmm. You can have a marketing campaign through digital marketing to get these clients. But are you servicing their needs? They probably have already an accounting system, what will make them move over to yours? Is yours cheaper? Is yours better? Is it easier to use? Does it give more features? Uh, stuff like that. Or are you going to target new businesses that have come into the environment and they, they're looking for some sort of a product? You could be the entry-level stuff, you know, as you know, a zero or a, a sage might be too expensive for these guys. So you come in as an entry-level package. And then you build from there. Uh, I, I would suggest either speaking to a marketing uh, guru in digital marketing or find yourself an incubator. Uh, Aeon is one of them. You can go check our website and we can assist you with a strategy in order to find those clients. All right, Tabi. So check, check okay. our venture builders, uh, Aeons, right? A I O N S. Am I selling okay. it, say, saying it right, Mitch? A I O N S, right? Um, and, and have a look at they on their website for a criteria and maybe and and then you've bought in a very interesting perspective I think they'll be able to hold you so Mitch don't ignore his 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 uh, email and <laughs> let it go to info at this is not one of those situations let it go to the right person right Tabiso yeah Okay, yes, okay. Okay, it is Venture Builders Aeons. Uh, have a look at them for, for that. But, you know, 
a very interesting dynamic has been brought on by Tabiso Gerald. And that is what are people willing to part with? Money or leads? You know, um, in South Africa, where the economy is very limited and money in itself is limited at the bottom line, but at the top enchilons of society, it's probably invested in some tax haven. What would be easier to attract, for example, a VC or an angel investor or investor? Is it the money to say fund me with capital or is it actually to say, hold on a second, guys, I've got everything as a structure. I just want clients. Help me find the clients. Um, first, I think it's easier to get money. Leads are a lot more difficult to get, especially qualified ones. And South Africans, as Nick said, um, love risk. I mean, the Ponzi schemes, Triple M, you know, the lady who started the Women's Bank. There's a lot of things which come up and people support. Um, I think the, 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 to, 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 to say something is that we've let the people down because everybody who's come with these mass mass ideas where people have supported, it's failed. But it doesn't mean South Africans don't understand crowdfunding, they don't understand risk, that they don't understand what they want to achieve. We need to give um, South Africans more options, and I think Nick's platform can be that option where people can go in and shop around and find viable investments to put money into. Um, I think, you know, most South Africans are very keen on alternative investments, which is why you find them in Bitcoin and anything which is non-traditional. So I think, you know, we just need to try and foster these platforms um, in terms of finding leads and the business networks. I think that's another weakness of um, the small business community in South Africa. Um, when I stayed in the UK, there was hundreds and hundreds of little clubs and associations where small businesses network and meet and share ideas and share leads. Um, essentially in South Africa, you start your small business, you feel like you're on your own. Yeah. And there's very few places where you find people who are going through your similar experience. So I think that's also an opportunity for any listeners out there to say, start your networks and start growing them. And that's how you can attract and find the leads you require to keep your business going. And I think it requires also, um, Gerald, a mindset shift that by the premise of me being successful, it does not mean it will take away from your plate. And maybe what's also we need to tackle as a society is that in that information sharing, let's tackle it from a point that if I make, if I give you a client, it won't remove me from getting a client. Yes. I think that's important. We have this client ownership culture that um, faith is mine. No one else can have it. No. You can actually do business with faith and faith can do business with all your friends yeah. and you can still all grow together and make money together. We seem to believe that there's a finite amount of money in the world, which is not true. Um, we can chase our rainbow as far as we want it. Money is created every day. Let me go to William. Hi, William. Hi, how are you, Faith? Very well, thanks. And you, sir. It says yes, you're on you the know, road. Here, go ahead. I the gentleman uh, with you there. Yeah. Um, uh, my son... He did a software network developer engineer, something mm-hmm. of that sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he started uh, this, um, a small onion company where he's, he's uh, giving people uh, storage for their network space and so forth. I don't know the, 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 the language, but he's doing something of that sort. Now, for him to, 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 to pick up and be able to make his company to be from as known and the like. What what needs to be done and who can be contacted? I just want to know from that. I'll hear I'll listen from the radio. Mitch. Okay. Um 
Michael must understood it. Sound like he said his son works for a small company. No, no, no. Uh, his son owns it. Hey, William, your son owns the company. Yes, he's okay. owning his, his company, but you know, it's not yet popular. Just it's a starting thing. It's mm. a startup, actually, as I can put it that way. Okay. So he, I want to find out how can he make his company to be known and how his company can be popular so that people can be able to, to interact and store information and all those kind of things. Got you. Mitch? Okay. Um, so, okay, I think Gerald added right there, find a community, firstly. Um, so there, there are obviously communities in the digital space. There's also uh, other startups like this uh, that, that exist. Uh, look for on LinkedIn, Startup Club. That's also a very big tool, right? Uh, LinkedIn. A lot of people stay social media-wise on your Instagrams. I guess mm. Facebook's kind of phased out now. Mm. And, uh, and TikTok, go to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is for business. Get onto there, make your connections with everybody and start interacting with people. Um, I know the gentleman got offline now, but there's, there's a few questions I would need to ask him to actually give him, give him advice on what to do. Uh, for instance, how long has he been running this business? What's his experience so far? Yeah. Um, Ken, are we able to share perhaps an email address with William for his son and and see if he can, and then you guys can take this conversation offline where we can get, interrogate the business much more clearly. And, and as I said, it's William's son, so I'm sure William's son will be in a position to answer some of those questions that you may have. Mitch? 100%, but you're going to hate it because it's the info ah, <laughs> email address. Ah. But we do respond. Oh, okay. We do respond on it. Okay. <laughs> we have to leave it here for this afternoon. Hey, if you know me, you know that I don't like info at. Uh, thank you so much to all of my guests. Gerald Manamir, always a pleasure. Mitch Adams, thank you so much. And for you for calling in, uh, much appreciated, fam. And thank you so for all the conversations. Let's do it again, same time, same place. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.